Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Girl Talking Mas Podcast. I am Marissa, your host, and I want to welcome somebody who is so special to me. I was just telling her how special she is to me. Ashley Boyson, thank you for joining us on Girl Talking Mas. We are so happy to have you as a guest. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, of course. I was just telling you how much your story has impacted and I'm sure you've impacted many lives with sharing your your healing journey and I guess this is what probably this podcast episode is going to be about is healing because I feel like that has has been your life story I guess for this this part of your life but we connected in 2016 I remember reaching out to you and you know I saw your story on Dateline um which just literally took me back and and I was just like I had to like google you and find out what happened to you so I remember like taking your name and just kind of googling it and finding out you were a blogger too and I was like no way she's a blogger (laughs) and um and you shared uh you were sharing your healing journey and and how you healed from what had happened to you and you know it was just crazy because I was like oh my gosh and I remember reaching out to you and I, I know we even did a few sessions together because I was dealing with a lot of childhood trauma that I was holding on to and it wasn't even a particular trauma that that you were kind of helping people out of it was all kinds of trauma you just had a particular type of trauma that of your situation but can we just go back to that moment that kind of looks like where your whole life changed that horrible that horrible day like because you literally found everything out just by a knock on the door yeah so I had been for weeks kind of in that spot like something's not right which so many people who tell me these stories say that they were feeling something's not right And so I kind of been searching and searching for anything, basically. Like I literally was digging through the trash at one point. It was like a low point. I remember looking up and I'm like, what is happening to me? Why do I feel like I'm losing my mind? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I wouldn't say I saw it coming, but I felt something coming. Um, So that morning I woke up and I was almost like, you know what? Today's going to be different. I'm not going to walk around with this chaos, I'm going to find an answer or whatever that looks like. I'm going to make it happen. And I remember even in my prayers, like, I just need to know what's happening and whatever it is, I'm going to face it and we're going to fix it. And if I need to change or if I need to be better, that was kind of my mindset at the time. Like, maybe it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I have postpartum. Maybe I have, and I just, yeah, because you just had the baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just had Titus. Um, And so I was kind of in that place, just like, this is, this is done. I'm not just going to be in the dark, whatever it is I need to know. And so that night I, I was, I was wanting my husband, I wanted Emmett to just open up and tell me whatever was going on. If it was something with him or something about me and we were just going to fix it. And, um, instead that night he left and I was slammed the door, told me, don't tell me what to do. He said he was heading to, uh, Walgreens. And I was like, I got that feeling, you know, where you're just like, no. And I literally was like, please do not go. I need you to stay here. We have to figure out what's going on. Something doesn't feel right. And so you were telling that, him how bad you were feeling. Yeah. And he was, he I was had, thing. not really. It was more just like, maybe you are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're crazy. So he was gaslighting me at the time. I didn't know what that was, but right. making me, making me feel even more crazy. Cause whenever I'd reach out, it was like, Oh, can you just not be a mom? Are you just too fragile to handle this? And it wasn't like that. Like I loved my role as a mother. I loved my role as a wife, mm-hmm. but it was more of that deep down. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. And he left, slammed the door, woke up the baby. And I remember grabbing this little baby and just rocking him. And for like, 
I want to say it was three hours. Maybe it was shorter. I just remember bouncing him and praying so hard. Like, I just need to make this right. I have these five kids. I want to make a great life for them, but I can feel it. Something is wrong. And, um, I'd go to call my mom and I would just feel this, like, everybody thinks you're crazy. You know, that dude in your head that that just nobody. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about the dude in the head. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's going to believe you. Just, just, Mm -hmm. you'll figure it out. It's probably, you're just, you know, you're still, still have the baby weight. Maybe that's what it is. Fix it. Mm -hmm. And the dude just started going. And so I it's all you, it's all in your head. Exactly. I didn't call anybody. Mm. Um, I called Emmett at about 10 Oh five. I think they told me I called him like four times in a row. And I was like, something is not right. The baby was screaming louder. I just could feel it and no answer. And so finally there was a point, the baby fell asleep and I was like, okay, I'm literally alone. And I'd felt alone for a while, but it just was like this deep despair of feeling alone. And the baby fell asleep. And I was just sitting there wondering where the heck he was. He wasn't answering his phone. And I, I literally ended up just falling asleep, like trying to stay awake. Um, and then I heard a pounding on my door, just hard knock. And I'm like, okay, this is it. And my heart was racing. I was like excited. He got in a wreck. He wrecked his stupid truck. He's going to need me. He's going to be in a hospital bed and I'm going to be able to look into his face. And for once in a long time, he's going to see me. Mm -hmm. And so I opened the door, like hoping it was some cop that was going to take me away to go find him. And it was just these three strangers that came in my home and sat me on my black couch. And literally, I don't, I still don't even remember these moments exactly. All I remember is like feeling like someone was choking me, but they described the night he had gone to Walgreens, met up with his paralegal who worked for us and her husband had found them later and brought his favorite gun that happened to be a gift from his wife that he never used that happened to have a laser. And he, he shot my husband once in the forehead and once in the heart. Oh wow! And, and so they gave me my one answer. I had so many answers that night. I thought I wanted, and I, at the time I'm like, that's too much, too many answers. He had been having an affair with his paralegal and he was gone. That was all I had left. I can't imagine. I remember you said you kind of just like, did you say you were like, you kind of like locked yourself in the closet. Like what's happening right now. And like, it's, it, it, it all changed. And, and like, like, where did you pick up from there? Um, at that point it was more like, what did I do to cope? I feel like there wasn't okay. a whole lot of lifting. I went into the closet. I said this, this stubborn prayer of like, God, I need you to change this. This isn't our story. Those babies no. are going to wake up and there is no way I'm telling them this story for the rest of their life. No way. So figure mm-hmm. it out right now. I'm not leaving this closet until it changes kind of mm-hmm. picturing in life, you know, on movies where they just get a do over and just start over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously that didn't happen because that's not how it works. But um, I I just went into a shell of myself. I I was hurting all the time. Like I don't remember a day where I was like, I have got this. No. Um, I I coped by being angry instead mm-hmm. of sad because sad and alone are a lot harder to deal with than being angry. So I was just mad. I I wanted his clothes out. I wanted evidence that he ever was in existence out of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But when, when the, when the kids would go to bed and the house was quiet and nobody was there with me, that's when I would grieve. I would literally just collapse on the floor because 
I felt so broken. And I felt like I didn't get to be broken in, in the silence. Like the whole town knew. My fear mm-hmm. was the whole town knew that I wasn't enough. The whole town knew. I mean, if I would have been a good wife, there's no way he would have done that. Like the the dude I'm talking about. He yeah, the dude is telling you. Attacked, <laughs> attacked for years. And no, Mm-mm. somehow talked me into getting into another toxic relationship that kind of became my do-over. Um, yes. so it's really interesting how our prayers are answered. You know, you pray hard enough for a do-over and sometimes you get the exact situation handed to you. And the answer for me where, which I thought, you know, with Emmett, I would have fought for him. I would have stayed by his side. Even if he told me we were, he was having an affair, like I was that entrenched in, yeah. you know, he kind of that narcissistic mentality where he could have done whatever he wanted. And I was just going to be there for him. That that's what I attracted again. I I had no worth and I attracted someone who had no worth it. So anyway, it's kind of one of those cycles that you have to heal yourself is what I'm getting. It's, to. Yeah. It's like, it's like you almost had to go through it twice to get it. See, totally. It was like, no, yeah. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to avoid it. I'm not like, I'm just a worthless piece of crap. I'm just going to cope and survive. Um, so I, I went through something really similar. And then on the mm-hmm. other end of it, I, and through, through that similar marriage, there was a lot of healing, like starting my blog and the things that I felt so inspired to do was to find myself, even though I wasn't having someone see me. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. healing process is not going to be fixed by somebody else coming and see you and telling you that you're great. Yeah. We have to fix ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. When we face, when we go, why do I feel insignificant? Why do I feel so small? Why do I feel so broken? And did this story really break me? Or is it just the beliefs that I keep carrying around about who I am because of this story? And that's where things started to change for me when I was like, wait, Mm -hmm. those voices in my head only have power. If I listen, I don't have to listen to them. I can, I can do this without like just pushing. They're still there. They still Mm -hmm. show up. Right. But Mm -hmm. learning how to, to take it and go, wait, I just, I just thought in my head, man, you're such a loser. No wonder why nobody talks to you, whatever, whatever the belief is that pops Mm -hmm. in and just go, oh yeah, well, I don't, I don't need that belief anymore. I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to show up differently. And that's when my healing really started is just being in the midst and and fighting through the fog. The fog's not going to go away on its own. You have to fight your way through it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things that you've shared that I recently, like when I was looking at some of your uh, reels that you have done, um, <clears throat> the importance of healing the past relationships um, and then the understanding the narcissistic behavior, which I, re- I really want you to touch on because I know you have learned a lot about that. But you you made it a point about how other people's decisions and actions changed your life. Like you didn't ask for this. Obviously what, you know, he did, what she did, what, what her, her, her husband did, they brought all this pain onto you and your kids, all this life change onto you and your kids, like everything that you guys didn't ask for. And here you are, you know, having to deal with it all these years later. And I'm sure the kids have had to deal with it, you know, in their own way, which I can't imagine. But tell us more about like the narcissistic kind of behavior that you have learned in people touch on that for me, for, for you, because I know you you went through that. Mm -hmm. So I, since I've done like so many years of research now, trying to Mm -hmm. heal myself and hoping to have something to give others, because I know we're all looking for our own type of healing, but basically, I mean, you could be in a relationship with a narcissist in any scenario, like you could have a boss who always makes you feel small and make sure you just are always feeling smaller and smaller or whatever it is. But I'm going to talk about 
the relationship with a spouse because I feel yes. like, or or significant other, yeah, um, could be a boyfriend. Um, but any scenario where every time you go to give your heart in a relationship, this is kind of where I started to see it the most. Where you um, are are doing something vulnerable, saying something vulnerable. A narcissist, a regular person could go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I like, how can I help you? How can I be there for you? Right. But a narcissistic person or a really immature person who hasn't healed parts of their past or whatever, whatever their reason, um, they look at you and go, oh my gosh, you're so pathetic. Like, why would you feel this way? Or they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And then a few days later, a few weeks later, they use that information that you gave them against you. So you're mm-hmm. constantly in a state. And then a lot of times if you don't share your vulnerability, but they're saying, I'm here for you. Tell me about this. If you don't share, then they're putting you down that you don't communicate. So basically you feel like you can never win. Like you're mm-hmm. chasing this relationship of maybe what it once was at the very beginning. A lot of people say like the first month was amazing. The love bombing. I was getting all this attention. I was yes. getting all this print. And they were sending me flowers and all these great things were happening. But then all of a sudden it just went away. And I feel like I've been chasing that ever since. And there's people who say, I've been chasing that for 30 years, that person who I fell in love with. But the the person that you fell in love with wasn't real. What's real is what you've been experiencing ever since. Ever but since. not knowing that when you're in it, what it feels like, you just feel small all the time, but you don't know why. You feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time, but you don't know why you feel like you can never do something right because the thing that worked yesterday is now the thing that triggers them to be mad yes. and be frustrated. Oh my gosh. And yes. so you're just in this constant state of fight or flight because your system cannot rest. It cannot relax. And, um, those are the kind of relationships that you literally feel like you're crazy, but you think that that person is the answer to the crazy. Like, okay, once they tell me this, I'm going to have worth. So you just keep like reaching out to them as if they hold the power. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's such a, it's such a unique web that people find themselves in. And it's really hard to step outside of it when you're in it, because there are good days. And sometimes the good days are better than any good day you ever had. Mm -hmm. And then when it, when it switches, you're like, Oh, I thought we got it that time. And you're waiting for that light bulb to go off. Like they're going to get it. I'm going to share how it really feels for me. And they're going to, they're going to get it. But until they do the work to find out why they feel so insignificant that they need to put somebody down at all times and they need to make everything about them, they're not going to get it. They have to decide. And I, I, I can't say that that thousands have recovered, but that I'm sure there's right. a way that just like those of us who attract people mm-hmm. because we're so, we feel so insignificant that we attract people who feel so insignificant. There has to be a way that there can be healing on both ends if that person wants it is what if I believe. Person, yes. If that person wants it, how, how are you able to kind of heal your, your self concept, your self worth after what you went through? Like, because like you said, you attracted, you basically had to do over and went through another relationship that was not much better than, than what you had just went through. And obviously like, um, you know, that was you having still being in that same mindset that you attracted that same person, like what we just said. Um, now you're in a beautiful marriage and, and you guys have kids and, and, and just, it's just so, I'm so happy. I was just telling you, I'm so happy to see you so happy. Um, cause you Thank deserve you. it. I'm so happy for you guys. Um, but like where, where did it turn for you? Where were you, and what did you do to kind of help? Cause I think that's where I'm stuck at right now is, I mean, I'm doing the affirmations and I'm listening to all these, you know, things and I'm meditating and I'm doing EFT tapping and I'm like all over the place with like everything that I'm trying to do to keep my self concept. Like I am worth it. I know I'm worth it. 
and I know I am, but you know, like there's like you said, those <laughs> the dude in my head. <laughs> the dude in my head tells me like otherwise, you know. So so, right. so where where do we how can we switch that? Like how can or what can we do to I guess work on it? Yeah. So for me, it like started with this dream I had one night and it was a really rough night where mm-hmm. I was needing to have approval and I wasn't getting it. And I was actually getting worse. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like a night of yelling and things that, that there wasn't a really good spirit around me, but I had this dream and had this powerful impression to watch. Anyways, it's a really long dream, but I can tell you mm-hmm. all about it sometime. But basically yes. I ended up watching my, my life on a movie screen out in the middle of an ocean. I don't, I don't know all the symbolism even yet, but I, it it got over and it was just like, that was just a S H I T storm. Like that Mm -hmm. was my life. That's what it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. I felt even, even more that dude, just like, of course it's what it's going to be. You're a piece of crap. And just kind of sat there heavy. And I literally had this impression and I looked over and this is a very personal dream. And I'm going to share it with you because the power of it is what, what started everything for me. I looked over and I just saw my savior standing next to me. Mm. And he was like, I want you to look again. I want you to look in this time. Here's a megaphone. Every single time she's down on her face, I want you to tell her all the things that she's forgetting. And it wasn't like, I'm just going to give it to her. I'm just going to have angels carry her over this cliff. I want you to give it to her because you have the power. You know, the truth, you know who you are. So tell her. And so it started over like from the beginning of my life through my parents' divorce. And every time I was down, he would, he would lift the mic, the megaphone for me, but he was like, I can't, I can't tell her, but I want you to, Mm -hmm. even though I know the savior like helps us, we have to accept it and we have to tell ourselves and we have to keep fighting. Right. So I'm, I'm yelling at myself on this screen. Don't forget you have angels all around you. You have a savior who loves you. You are enough. And in this moment, this person's just throwing you on the ground over and over and over. I need you to know that you're strong enough to stand back up. And I was just screaming at myself. So the whole movie Mm -hmm. plays again, same exact story. And I get to the end and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful story full of light and little Mm -hmm. moments of grace and little moments where I could see angels were with me, even though I felt so alone. Alone, yeah. And that's when, that's when I started, um, wanting to teach people about that dude in our head, we have to first acknowledge it, right? Because sometimes like in a moment on my couch, when those detectives left, the first emotion I had was relief, right? My husband, I wasn't crazy. He really was cheating on me. That was my first. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that emotion? No, most of the time we shame it. We go, oh, no, no, you can't feel relieved about what happened here because look at all the other pieces here. And then we shun ourselves for feeling that, that emotion which is usually what the dude does. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you, you just sent your daughter to an eating disorder facility. And there's a little bit of relief there because this has been the freaking hardest thing you've ever done as a mom. Yeah. That re that relief, you're going to shame yourself for the next three months while she's gone because you shouldn't feel that's what the dude does. He says we Mm -hmm. shouldn't feel things. And then he makes it taboo. And then we feel like we have to hide it. And then we can't Mm -hmm. become that, that beautiful flower, that blossoming person. But so really just, I literally will write out. And for, for years, I literally had to write it out. Now I kind of just have mm-hmm. visualization I do. And I'm like, this is not real. I'm safe. All is well. And connect myself back to all my truths. And I just move on. But I used to literally write it out. Like, what is my dude saying? You're not enough. You're so fat. That's why I had like anything that comes to mind because all of it's valid and we can feel it because emotions yeah. mm-hmm. are all things that we're supposed to be feeling. We're supposed to be understanding how to get through them. 
not just avoid them and shove them back down. And so I would list them out and then I'd go through each one and pray about it. Like, is this true about me? And mm-hmm. most of the time it's not. The dude doesn't tell us truth. He tells us things that make us feel small. The dude is the narcissist in our head that yes. doesn't want us to feel our power or find our growth or find our strength or anything. He just wants us to stay small. And so at least mine sounds like a he, but yeah. I kind of have a boy. I kind of have a dude voice. So yours might sound like a girl, but whatever is happening inside your head, if it doesn't make you feel light and it doesn't make you feel lifted and it doesn't make you feel closer to becoming the best version of yourself, it's not real. And so just smoking those out and crossing them out and then asking God, your higher power, whatever you believe in, that is going to give you your source of light. What, what am I? Who am I? Who do you see in me? And start writing out the thoughts that come to you. And those become your mantras instead of trying to put ourselves in a box and say other people's like, he has a script. He has the words. He has the gifts that you have. He can tell you and remind you and bring back to your heart, the truth of who you are. That makes so much sense. And I, I I love the, I love that you just said that making your own mantras, because sometimes I do read, you know, like some of these affirmations and I'm like, that doesn't feel like me, you know? And so I need, I I, I need to dig a little deeper um, and, and find the mantras like that do fit me that do fit. I, and and I want to ask you this question, healing from the past relationship, relationships that you've had, the two changed your whole life. um, Is forgiveness part of that? Have you forgiven what has happened to you? Absolutely. Yes. Forgiveness is part of that voice in your head as well, because a lot of times when we're holding on to old beliefs or we're letting those triggers just let us spiral into that thought pattern, that's where the forgiveness gets stuck because, or if we're waiting for another person to come and say, Hey, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I'm, I see it now. Those are kind of the things we wait for. We wait for the script in our head to change. We wait for somebody else to come and change how we feel about a situation, but it really wasn't the situations I was in mm-hmm. that were hurting me. It was my belief of who I was because of those situations. I wasn't yes. a good enough wife. I, I, I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't this. We have these lists of what we weren't and why that would have happened to us, but really something happened to us. So we have to really start to just change the script, but also let go of the belief that anybody else has the power to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And again, reaching up, reach up to, to God mm-hmm. and ask him how to forgive and forgiveness. I guess when we're, when we're little, it's so easy. It's just like, yes. Hey, you say you're sorry. You say you're sorry. Hug each yeah. other, go back to the playground. Yeah. And that would be so nice because yeah. then we wouldn't have to fight through it. But it's another one of those things that with us and God, that's how we get through it. Mm-hmm. We don't, we can't get through it alone for sure. At least mm-hmm. not in my experience. Nope. We can't, we can't get through it kicking and screaming and just like, why did this happen? Why, why, why? Because the why just is a trap as well. It's yeah. It's a, but, it's a spinning wheel, but we get through it going, okay, heavenly father, how do I let go of this? How do I let go mm. of the need to have this guy come back and tell me that he's sorry? Or how do I, how do I get through? Um, whatever the, whatever the question is, yeah. the, the why, the why will just keep us stuck because God's not going to come and be like, here's why. Yeah, he's gonna show exactly. you, he's gonna show you here's why as you get yeah. stronger and as you look back and you're like oh that's why but mm-hmm. if you ask him how even the stupidest stuff like I used to journal a lot like a prayer to God and then I like have him write me back you know and the the thoughts that would come to my head with things that I was struggling with that were so small that only God would know that I was struggling with them like 
cooking food. For some reason, that was a huge trigger for me. I cooked a bunch of food the night Emmett died. He didn't eat a bite of it. And it kind of was like connected to my love for him and my willingness to be his wife. And I didn't know that at the time, but when I would get panicked, panic attacks about cooking food and, but I would write that, that little prayer and heavenly father, I'd be like, okay. And I'd literally write like dear Ashley. And sometimes it'd be like, make spaghetti tonight. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I can make spaghetti. But just having him guide us through the smallest things can mm-hmm. help us get through the forgiveness, get through the, the pain. Get, yeah, the biggest stuff. It's the little stuff that it's just so important to keep fighting. I think that's the hardest part is we all just want a quick answer. Like, okay, in this moment, I forgive and it's done. But it's, yeah. it's a whole Doesn't... process that I'm mm-hmm. guessing will carry to our death that we, mm-hmm. it comes up, those, those emotions come up. We acknowledge them. We validate ourselves and we just say, you know what? All is well. This, mm-hmm. this was a struggle I had. I no longer need to carry it. Hand it over to Christ, hand it over to your angels and just march forward, but not push it back down. Cause that's where we get stuck. We just push everything back down. And then yes. it's like, Oh, when it comes up, it comes up stronger each time. Cause it's trying to tell you something. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that's been like one of my things, like I had to I had to um, understand that I didn't, I don't need closure like from somebody to get my closure. You know, like you never got your, I'm sorry from Emmett, you know, like you're never going to hear that. And, and, you know, and, and even in situations where, you know, the other person is still here, you're, you still might not get that closure and you have to be able to, to get past that and, and heal yourself from there. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was trusting yourself. Um, the, like you said, the, the, the voice that we pushed down, um, you, you had, you know, like you were just saying like, you know, you had like, am I going crazy? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Um, to listen to those gut feelings, those red flags, how do we trust ourselves? Um, I think step one is just being honest with ourselves. Cause sometimes we see something and especially like depending on our attachment styles and the ways that we've learned to cope through our family experiences, we just try to avoid it. Like, oh no, that probably wasn't as big. Or we try, we try to talk ourselves out of it. Like, oh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. He just yelled at that waitress, but it's probably because he was really hungry, you know, or make excuses. Uh, make but, excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many times I notice a way someone treats their, their mother, their sisters. Yes. Oh, the way they talk about people behind their back, the way that they treat a waitress at literally the cheapest store or the cheapest restaurant in town, like watch those little things because eventually you're going to be old news. You're going to be just Mm -hmm. a little waitress that's bringing him food. If he doesn't appreciate the things in his life that aren't you, eventually he probably won't appreciate you. And if he doesn't Mm -hmm. see the people who have feelings and who have lives that are trying to help him um, and, and be kind to those people, eventually that's going to be you too. Mm-hmm. If he thinks his mother's a piece of crap and he just makes fun of her all the time, eventually you're going to just be that constant woman in his life. Mm-hmm. So that would, that would be kind of the red flags that I think a lot of times we just like, Oh no, he's just being funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I don't know, just the, the steadiness of a human is really telling him what that's going to look like in the future. And it's hard though, because when you're in one of those love bombing relationships, you're yes. like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing some good stuff. And, um, so yeah, they recommend dating as long as you can see them go through something stressful and maybe not necessarily a loss, but some, some sort of struggle together and see how they Mm -hmm. react. Cause that will be magnified when you get married, 
like the, yes. the filters, the filters are gone or when you live mm-hmm. with somebody, the filters are going to be gone and they're, you're going to be just that constant in their life that will end up being however they treat the rest of the constants in their life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I totally understand what you're coming from there for that. Cause I, I think we do push the voices down. Like you said, we cover it up and, oh, it's not that bad or it's not really this or it's not really that. And then you're, you're convincing yourself, you're convincing other people, you know, right. and then when, when it all, like you said, when it all boils over, you're past the honeymoon phase or whatever you want to call it. It's that's when the real stuff happens, you know, and, and that's right. how, how that goes. How are the kids doing? I, I think about you guys and, and the kids, like, how are the kids? I know because they're, I'm, I can't believe how big they are. Um, the twins are beautiful. Like, I mean, just like, <laughs> so, so amazing. But I know they have gone through like their own struggles and everything like that. So how have the kids been able to cope? Like, have they having to do a forgiveness thing and, you know, and not be upset or, or you know, they were so small when all this went down. Yeah. Um, it's been like, it kind of as a parent, it puts a lot of pressure on you, but Mm-hmm. wherever you wherever you are usually your kids are so okay. in the years that I was just coping and mm-hmm. just pushing everything down that's what they did and mm-hmm. then the years that that I've really stepped into forgiveness and trying to find healing that's what they've done they just like as much as we think that we don't affect the way that they handle stuff we do so yeah. it's been it's been really great to see us all in a safer place and Mm -hmm. having a more peaceful home and watching the trauma come up because when the triggers happen, when you're safe, Mm -hmm. they're a lot harder because you actually have to face them, you know? So it's been an interesting four or so years, five years almost, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, watching everybody have their trauma come out finally. Um, Boston struggled with an eating disorder. That was, wow. It was uh, any so hard for everybody. Through, mm-hmm. Yes. Any mother who's going through that, my prayers are with you. It is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other kids, one of them went through a phase where she was cutting. Um, like mm-hmm. the pain has to come out. So yeah, it's going to come out twisted at first. And that's the scary part is because we want to shame the eating disorder. We want to shame the cutting, mm-hmm. but we just really need to love that kid where they are. And that's mm-hmm. what my goal has been. And we've gotten through these things pretty dang fast as they've come out in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my kids, sometimes I do little mini sessions with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like um, we just kind of check in and, and talk about the things they're going through and we'll, lots of stuff will come up. And sometimes I'll have them write a letter to one of the people in their lives that have hurt our family. Um, mm-hmm. We don't, we don't necessarily send them. We burn them sometimes. And sometimes yeah. they want to save it. They want to save them, but like finding healthy ways to get those emotions out and actually acknowledge them. That's the hard part in families that just stuff everything forever. It's Mm -hmm. not going away. It's not going away just because you can't see it. The dirt's still there if you shove it under the rug. So um, that's been, that's been my goal with my kids since I've been able to embrace like, Hey, this is not, this is not how I want to heal. And this is not how I want to cope. I want to actually live. I want to be able to breathe. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing amazing. Like I, today I can literally say every single one of them is thriving and they're oh. succeeding and they're not just succeeding. They're like even more amazing than I could ever imagine mm-hmm. when I started out as a mom, they they're just getting it. And I, I love watching each one of them and I love connecting with them. And I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else for real. And you're an amazing mother. Like I said, I think, I think you, you truly, when you, when you say like what they're going, like how you're dealing is how they're dealing. And, and they probably had to see you obviously at your worst 
and, you know, get through all these obstacles that you've had to get through. They're just as strong. They're, they're this, they're this amazing because of you, because they see you. That's, I mean, you are, you are the root of their, of their strength. Just know that. Um, I want to, I want to like wrap up when I, I, I always go back when I read our, our interview we did before your motto, you are enough. I think that probably has carried you through everything. Yeah. So you are enough, I guess, sprouted for me um, because the, the dude in my head, literally that was like his go-to. That was his flavor of choice. Just you you weren't enough. Obviously, look, I have all this evidence. Look at the gun. You weren't enough for that gun to not fire that man with the gun. You weren't enough for him to, he literally wrote a letter to you. He knew who you were. He knew what you looked like. He knew so much about you. You didn't know who he was, but he knew you and you still weren't enough. He knew you had five kids that you were going to have to raise all by yourself and you still weren't enough. And your husband knew that you were home taking care of his babies and you still weren't enough. And the other woman literally was holding your husband in her arms as he took his last breath and you were not enough for her. So that was the the constant ringing, like so loud that I couldn't even hear any else Mm. let alone truth that I could could grasp um but it just it beat me up it beat me down all the time and so that fight to change the script I mean that one that one will probably always be the first one that pops in my mind like Mm -hmm. the teacher calls and says my kid's getting in trouble at school and that comes in first like it's not like oh my poor kid is struggling it's like oh see you're not enough you're not a good enough mom that evidence mm-hmm. that it just tries to use. Remember in um, elementary school when you were in the bathroom stall and you heard your quote best friend say that she only invited you to her birthday party because her mom made you or made her like those moments that the dude just like in three seconds can pull up all the evidence of our worthlessness. Yeah, Mine was always, mine was always, you're not enough first. That was always my first thought. I'm not enough. Oh, that person just cut me off. I'm not enough to even be seen on the road. And so just stopping myself in that, those moments and going, hold on, I have a lot of evidence that I am enough because I would not be here right now and my kids would not be doing so well. And just mm-hmm. kind of like fact checking your brain, yeah. fact checking, kind of like if someone's like, hey, that color is green. And you're like, I know that's red and I don't know what to do because you keep telling me it's green and I feel like I'm going crazy. Just, you know what? I already know what I know. I know I'm enough. God has told me enough times. And I actually believe him. I believe Mm -hmm. him because when I listen to him, he leads me in the right direction to show me that that is not true. Just so for me, it's just like a fact checking and I literally visualize. So I'm going to tell you my visualization. It's kind of crazy Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with it. I'll literally go in my room, close my eyes and okay, I want you to picture the horizon, right? It's this way. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in our life, we're pulled like on the horizon. We're pulled to another person to tell us something that we need to know. We're Mm -hmm. pulled... Even relationships that are really, really healthy and secure, we can be pulled by by them telling us, well, I don't know if you should do that. I don't know if you should dye your hair. I think you, and we're always pulled this way. So I literally like detach all the horizontal connections, mm-hmm. even the good ones. Just right now, I need to just be me mm-hmm. right here. And then I visually picture, say a light going straight up to heaven that shines down on me and then straight down to the earth that shines down to my purpose and my mission on earth. I mean, my, my purpose and mission can affect a lot of people, but first I have to be secure in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with anybody else, just me and God and where I'm supposed to be on this earth and picture that just perfect line straight. And then around you, 
all of your angels and the savior and all the light things that you believe in that bring you peace when you think about them and just take a deep breath. And if there's anything left, like, Hey, I'm feeling like I'm not enough. Just say it out loud. How, and I asked my, my body the question, how would it feel to know and believe that I'm enough? Mm-hmm. Cause kind of like that why question that we get stuck on with God, why did this happen to me? Why did you do this to me? Instead say it like, how do we get through this? How can I, how can I overcome this struggle? ask our bodies that same thing. Cause our physical body sometimes doesn't keep up with our really strong spirit. So yes. how would it feel to understand my worth? How would it feel to embrace my worth and ask those questions that, that allow us to progress instead of why am I not enough? And just changing the script in any possible way. If you, if you have something come to you, as I was just explaining that mm-hmm. that's your mantra, that's your way of connecting to your source of strength and power and truth. I love that. The visualization like just as you were saying that like was a little more peace you know like peaceful like just just totally. seeing that and 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 like i think you said detaching from even the the good and the bad you know um where yeah. you ha- where where you need to get your own truths from you and not get that reassurance from somebody else you know even if that right. person is telling you for your own good or it's really good too in moments that you want to make a big decision Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you're like, well, I called my sister and she said, I need to, yes. I need to stick with this. I called my mom. And she said, I need to walk away. So all these, all these voices, the world gets so loud. I listened to this podcast and they told me to do this. And then I listened to this and they said the opposite. And somebody's told me to do keto, but then other people tell me to be vegetarian. Like there's no answer that you're going to get from another person that you mm-hmm. can't get from God, but you're just going to be confused for mm-hmm. years. You're just going to keep asking everybody else. And be in so that circle. When you mm-hmm. really need to make a big decision. If you're in a relationship with a narcissist, sometimes the answer is that you stay and you fight and this person's going to get through this and you're going to do it together. And other times the answer is it's time to go. And you're not going to know what your answer is unless it's just you and God making it. That Oh, wow. That that hit me right there because that was literally my <laughs> situation. Um, tell everybody where they can follow you and connect with you because you are on this journey to heal and um, helping people find their worth and remembering their truths. And I'm telling everybody right now, you want to follow Ashley because you share the most important information when it comes to self-care, self-love. And and I, I'm so glad I reached out and, and emailed you. <laughs> Thank you for answering. I'm so glad you did too. And um, because um, of, yeah, because you have helped me tremendously, Ashley. Like I said, even though we don't get to talk all the time, I get all your emails. I get I read all your your posts and. I listen to your, your, your car chats. I love your car chats, by the way, when you're in the car and you just like decide to start recording and telling us something. Um, uh, it's like the worst possible angles. And I, like, I, just do I, I can't wait till it's quiet at my house. It's never quiet. It's never going to be quiet. You got uh, how many kids now? Seven. I'm seven. seven. Yeah. You've got a long time for it to be quiet. Um, but just tell, tell, tell everybody how they can connect with you. Yeah. You're welcome. First of all, sometimes I go through phases where I don't post for a little bit. Yes. I want people to, I want people to know that that's usually when I'm stuck in one of my dude phases, mm-hmm. because even with all this knowledge, we still have those days where sometimes we feel like we're not winning the fight. Heck yeah. So with that being said, um, mm-hmm. I, you can find me at the moments we stand.com on there. I have a few courses that I'm offering that I've had a lot of fun. Just I putting stuff out there. Cause during COVID I couldn't do all my events and stuff. Yeah. And now I have these, these two babies. So it's kind of my way of, um, going to speak places, but anyways, mm. so I have one for parents who are parenting the hurting child, one for people who are going through infidelity and one for widows. So that's on there. Um, yeah. and then I have the moments we stand on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. 
And then I just got done yesterday with my third book. So it's not out yet. I just turned it into my lady who's going to put it all together. Yes. But, um, my third book is about the murder trial and the experiences I went through trying to fight my way out of victimhood. And mm-hmm. I think it's my favorite book. And it literally took me like seven years to write because wow. yeah. I wanted to avoid it. I wanted mm-hmm. to avoid the pain. I didn't want to think about it. But it's been so good for me. And I feel like this weight off my chest. And that the trilogy is done now. I'm going to be doing other stuff, but good. Okay. Getting that story. But you got it all done. Up. You got it all out. Yeah. You, you've it's finished out. that chapter that everything you went through with that, that you can share and that you wanted to share is, is out in your three books. Um, what are the names of your three books again? So people can find them because your first one was, um, um, the moment. So they're all called the moments we stand is a series, mm-hmm. but it's silence, silence breaks. And then out of the shadows. Yes. And then the third one is I will, I'll tell it on your podcast. It's called in chains. It's basically talking about watching a man be brought into a courtroom in chains and realizing that I was the one in chains and kind of just finding my journey out of those chains and that mm-hmm. hell that I put, I put myself in every single day thinking mm-hmm. that I had no power, but then the moments when I found that strength to say, you know what, I deserve a life and I'm going to, I'm going to fight until I get it. Yeah. So one of the quotes that you recently shared is you might have been used, but you are not broken. And I, I loved that um, because uh, I, I related to it. And, yeah. and that's a lot of times um, I think we feel broken and, and we're not. And um, so thank you so much. I want to, you know, just send so many love and prayers to you and your family. I, I hope like everything from here on out is everything and everything you deserve, which I think like you're finally, like you said, in your self-worth and know, you know, know how important and how, how enough you, you, you are very much enough. Um, wonderful daughter, wonderful friend, sister, everything. So, um, thank you. I just really appreciate, like I said, and I think, I thank you for everything that you do share because you help tremendous amount of people. Thank you so much, Marissa. And do not forget that you're not broken and you are beautiful and you deserve the world. Thank you so much, Ashley. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much, you guys. So good talking with you. It was so good talking with you. You guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Girl Talking Must. Make sure you go find Ashley at themomentswestand.com. You guys don't want to miss everything that she shares. It it truly is something that has helped me throughout my my last seven years here going through everything. So I definitely encourage you to, to go follow her. Thanks, guys.